Welcome to ICUP with We. This is an ICP podcast by a new listener and an old fan from back in the day. I'm Aaron. And I'm Eric. And today we're reviewing 2000s Bizarre. You're listening to the ICUP with We podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of ICUP with We. Um, I am here with my co-host, with the co-most, Eric. Eric, how you doing? I, you know, after uh, after a challenging week, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm glad it's the weekend. I'm glad to be doing a, another episode of your very favorite ICP review and history podcast, ICUP with We. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, y'all's favorite ICP podcast, I, in my research, came across another ICP podcast on Spotify today. Oh, is it is it actually ICP or somebody else doing something like we're doing? Oh, no, no. It's, it's somebody else doing, it's them reviewing ICP. But is it like hardcore juggalos or is it like two people trying to make oh, sense? Oh, of oh, 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 no, it's hardcore juggalos. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I listened to like half of their bizarre episode. Yeah. Um, or I guess really only like 15, 20 minutes of it. Pretty good. They love ICP. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, if, if you are here to listen to us uh, be fans of ICP, you might want to go to that podcast because they seem to just blindly enjoy everything. What's it called? Give them a shout out. All right, let me let me pull them back up here. Um, because I, the truth of the matter is, this is this is not a fan podcast. This is I don't want to say an objective look at ICP and their history. I do think that um, we are we we appreciate much of what they've done. We appreciate their DIY ethic. There's a lot of things that align oh, yeah. there. There's been plenty of music they've made that up to this point we've appreciated. But if something ain't great, we're gonna tell you. We are going to tell you. And in um, this episode, we're gonna tell you. <laughs> oh, in this episode, you will be told. Yeah. Um. So this podcast, it's called Deck One Delt. Oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose um, that makes sense. Which, which is an ICP esque name. Um, okay. But they did, they did, uh, both bizarre and bizarre together yeah. as one episode that came in in an hour and a half. So clearly, they're more brief than we are. Yeah, I considered that, <laughs> but it's just it's too it's too many tracks to get through. So many. Although tracks. I think. We might have been able to do it, but I I think we probably could have busted it out. But man, but yeah, a yeah. lot of hey, we're gonna we're gonna squeeze another episode out of it. We, exactly, we're giving you we're milking more it for content, dude. Honestly, let's we should have split this up into six. We should have. Yeah, really need the content. Yeah, <laughs> <We're>, yeah. <laughs> there's not enough ICP releases. Yeah, there's for not us. enough ICP releases for us. We need to be doing this well into our sixties. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what we did squeeze into this episode, though? Uh, we are both in this episode going to review Fago Rock and Rye. That is correct. Uh, so check cool. that out later. Um, mm-hmm. Later on. I'm super excited for it. It's been staring back at me in the fridge all week. So uh, mm-hmm. glad to get to bust this bad boy open um, and taste it. So uh, to be clear here, I don't think this has been expressly said other than us joking around about it. We are only reviewing B-I-Z-A-A-R Correct. today. And B-I-Z-Z-A-R will be next episode. Correct. Yes. Just the first half of the two albums. If it was a two album set sold together, we'd review them both in one episode. But Mm -hmm. considering they were two individually sold albums and you can go to the record store and just buy one if you wanted, we're going to review them in two separate episodes. Correct. And before we get to that, we got to talk about 2000. We're in the 21st century at this point, y'all. We are in the same century in their music timeline as we are currently we're starting to catch up we're starting to catch up big time it's wild i love it do you think that uh we'll get to we'll get caught up before we get into the 22nd century or do you think we'll still Uh, lag behind a little bit you know what it depends on what their release schedule looks like from here on out i don't know (laughs) yeah we'll catch up I i i think we will i agree yeah um so so let's talk hip-hop releases of 2000 eric what do we got yeah i you know i I really thought about this and i realized this is the point where maybe we shouldn't just be talking about hip-hop releases because icp is sort of a crossover act at this point where they're appealing to people on both sides of the rock metal and hip-hop spectrum however they are still a hip-hop group uh they consider themselves to be they were still on the hip-hop charts and whatever so what we had in 2000 just for comparative sake uh big pun dropped yeah baby and i said it like that because there's three e's in yeah uh ghostface killer dropped supreme clientele love it uh, this one, I mistakenly identified as a different album um, an episode or two ago. Cypress Hill released Skull and Bones. Now, this is the one featuring rap superstar and rock superstar. Rap superstar featured Eminem and Noriega. Rock superstar featured Chino Marino of Deftones and Everlast of, well, at the time, just Everlast. But I think he was part of House of Pain before that. But he was doing his like sort of rock thing at that point i don't know right <laughs> so i yeah i remember us talking about this this song uh or these songs rather a couple yes. episodes ago and dude chino and everlast come on chino's you could put together an album of his uh guest spots on different artists songs oh, yeah. and it would be one of the most diverse and interesting albums out there oh yeah he does not stick with his Mm-mm. genre when it comes no. to guest spots. Oh. And I love it. Uh, let's see. What else in 2000? Eminem released the Marshall Mathers EP with uh, The Way I Am, The Real Slim Shady, and a song that somehow in the past year or two has made it back into the, you know, sort of popular lexicon, Stan. Yeah, I dude. The fact that this was released in 2000 and in about 2017, 2018... All yeah. of a sudden, it just 
exploded back into existence is hilarious to me. Right. I mean, when this record came out, nobody was using the word Stan synonymously with fandom or, you know, appreciation of something. It's really interesting. Let me tell you, when I, when I first found out what Stan, like what the reference was when people started saying it again, I got so pissed off. I did too. I was was like, like, that's fucking, I will never say that. (laughs) Sorry. I can't do it. It just felt so cheesy. Oh yeah. I get it, but come on. I mean, it made me Uh, start listening to this album again. Well, okay. Speaking of cheesy, uh, Kid Rock released the history of rock with a bunch of re-recorded old tracks and uh, the track American Badass. Oh, yeah, brother. Uh, 3-6 Mafia released When the Smoke Clears with the song Sippin' on Some Scissor. Buster Rhymes released Anarchy. Uh, Nelly released Country Grammar. Remember Nelly? Dude, how could you forget Nelly? I try sometimes. I can't. (laughs) Oh, Nelly was pretty good. I, I guess. I mean, it's getting hot on her. Exactly. That is still uh, in today's lexicon. Here's something I really want to forget. Baja Men, who let the dogs out. Good God, yeah. We can forget that. Let me tell you a quick story about that, though. I was in L.A. for a shoot, and we were filming at night, right? And um, this guy randomly walks by outside, and he's just screaming, who let my dogs out? <laughs> Who let my dogs out? And he wasn't singing it in the cadence of the song. He wasn't even using the right words. He was saying, "Who let my dogs out?" And I was like, "Does this guy just not know how that song goes, or did he just write a song that's literally that similar to 'Who let the dogs out'? Like, what's going on here?" <laughs> oh, I uh, hope it was- it's the latter. God, <laughs> I, I hope too. it's the latter. Like, if you put on the Baja Men song, he'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. This is my song. This is my song. They stole my song. <laughs> he'd be suing the Baja Men. <laughs> but uh, what if okay. that was actually true and the Baja Men did steal the song from this nice old man? From this man, like, like almost 20 years in the future? You don't know how long that that man has been singing that song. That's true. You're right. He might. The reason he might have been out there yelling it is because he's still like not okay with what happened in 2000 he's still trying to get the word out he's get yeah he's getting the word out that they're the song the original song the source material is actually different <laughs> he might have been an original baja men member and they were working on who let my dogs out and then there was like a rift in the group oh, and they yeah. split and when they split they they went off and both did their own versions and his version just didn't take off but theirs did and he's like this exiled member that just forever roams the earth singing his version of the song (laughs) cursed by the devil oh my god i love that we're getting into the weeds i'm love that we're getting into the weeds about this by the way (laughs) i feel like you could make a movie about that oh 100 that is movie material 2021 Um, summer blockbuster hey if if we can actually get movies out in 2021 we'll see we'll see yeah uh, 20, 2000 though, uh, Wyclef Jean released the eclectic two sides to a book. I don't know why it's the numeral two and then the Roman numeral two, two sides two. I, just I love keep it. it. Do you? Yeah. I, okay. I heavily enjoy that. Uh, mystical released. Let's get ready with the track. Shake your ass. Watch yourself on the radio. It was shake it fast. So, uh, funny story about this song. When this came out, my sister's loved listening to it 
absolutely yeah. love this song. We're obsessed with this song. And they convinced me that the lyrics were take a bath, wash yourself. Ooh, that's take a good. bath, show me what you're working with. But that, and so that's pretty clever. I think I went on for about a year thinking that those were the lyrics until <laughs> finally somebody like corrected me and I felt like the biggest fucking idiot in the entire world. I, I was, love that you actually believed that. I was legitimately mad at my sisters for it for a while. Yeah, I would bring it up. I, I, I will still, I will call my sister and tell her off about this to this day. One of these days, you'll just be wandering <laughs> through parking lots in LA at night screaming, take, take a, bath, a bath, wash yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real version. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay back to 2000 again yes. uh our favorite rapper jaw rule released rule 336 ludicrous dropped his debut album Luka. back for the first time Love it. and then this brings us up to the halloween time frame and on halloween day things kind of went off we had all on that day releasing jay-z the dynasty rock la familia we had Outkast with probably the biggest hip hop album of that year, aside from Eminem, the Marshall Mathers EP. It was Stankonia oh, yeah. with So Fresh and So Clean, Miss Jackson, and Bombs Over Baghdad. The Bombs Over Baghdad, I just heard recently, and I'm like, damn, this is a good song. I haven't heard that one in forever. So Fresh, So yeah. Clean, I hear a lot. Yeah. Miss Jackson, obviously, hear a lot. Love the yeah. Alien Ant Farm version. <laughs> Alien Ant Farm, I don't care what anybody says. I really liked those first couple Alien Ant oh, Farm releases. Oh, 100%, dude. They, they really were good fucking shit. bangers. So, okay, my question here is, did Twisted have a relationship with ICP? I mean, obviously they did. Yes. They've been featured. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird um, that they would compete directly like that. You know what? So we're talking about things that dropped on Halloween Day. Those That Jay-Z album, that Outkast album. Snoop Dogg released a compilation album. Mm-hmm. Twisted released Freak Show, their second album, with the relatively popular song. There was a video and stuff, We Don't Die. But ICP released both Bizarre albums. I don't think it was released in competition. I think they truly believed fans of one are probably fans of the other. And if they're coming in to pick up the ICP albums, they'll also grab mm, the Twisted. Album. Grab the Twisted as well. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, in my memory, and listening back to We Don't Die, Freak Show is the superior album. Right. Uh, let's see. Continuing on through the year, Twisted the next month released the Cryptic Cole- Collection, which is basically their forgotten freshness. Exhibit released Restless. Lil Wayne released Lights Out. Snoop Dogg released The Last Meal, which I don't even remember that one, but that was a full, like, proper album. And Wu-Tang released The W. So that's what 2000 looked like, at least in the world of hip-hop. And there's quite a bit of crossover there, even with a traditional hip-hop artist like Outkast releasing a song like Bombs Over Baghdad, which had a distinctly sort of rock kind of feel to it, even if it wasn't all guitars and stuff. Yeah, there's... There's a, a, a pretty even, you see it creeping in more and more mm-hmm. um, into these lists, including at least one half of Bizarre Bizarre. Yeah. Um, and you know what? If I was a betting man, I'd say the second half as well. Oh, guess what, buddy? The second half is pretty similar. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Before we get into our official thoughts, mm-hmm. let's talk 
some facts about Bizarre Bizarre. Yeah, let me, you know what, after I, I kind of put together the facts, I realized what an important and big year 2000 was. So I'm going to run through a couple of things that led up to the release of okay. Bizarre Bizarre. One of them was extremely significant. Um, so in 2000, in January, they started the run of a comic book series called The Pendulum which starred ICP and was written by Jump Steady, distributed by Chaos Comics, a real legit respected comics company. Hmm. It ran 12 issues ending in December of 2001. Here's the cool thing. Each issue included a CD with an exclusive song or songs. So it made a full album. Uh, Then in July of that year, three things happened in July. Almost a year to the day after playing Woodstock 99, they had the first gathering of the Juggalos in Detroit um, to quote Violent J to have a Woodstock for Juggalos. That's a, a week that's later, monumental. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. A week later, uh, Big Money Hustlers, ICP's first feature length film release. <laughs> and yes, I said first because there were more than one. Uh, and it's a throwback parody of 1970s crime exploitation films. It's actually not too bad, all things considered. Pretty, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Also in July, the newest member of the psychopathic roster, Blaze You Dead Homie, released his first EP with them. And now, here's the most important thing that happened to ICP in 2000. Mm -hmm. At some point in early 2000, Mike Clark started working on Bizarre Bizarre and Tales from the Lotus Pod, which is the first Dark Lotus album. Dark Lotus is a super group that includes pretty much all the members of the psychopathic family. So, right. Midway through the process, Mike Clark and ICP had some sort of falling out, and he quit working with them. After almost a decade of working on all their albums, he said, I'm done with this. And here is a direct quote from Mike Clark. He said, it seemed like too much was going on, and I just wasn't sure about the material. I needed a break. I was frazzled. We weren't getting along. So that was it. And he was done. He he did, from what I can tell, at least as far as it's credited, produce all the music tracks on the Bizarre albums, but he only got about four songs into Dark Lotus, and he didn't do the rest. So ICP continued on with the producer, uh, his name was Fritz the Cat, who produced Twisted's first album, and they continued right. to work with him off and on for subsequent albums, but their primary producer became Mike P, or Mike Puval. Uh, who is the guitarist of the band Zug Island. They actually then built their own studio at Psychopathic Headquarters called the Lotus Pod because I guess they no longer were working with Mike Clark at his Funhouse studio. They decided to just build their own and do it there. So after right. all this stuff, on Halloween Day 2000, Bizarre Bizarre released. And again, that's two separately released solo albums, not a double album sold together. So I've got a few facts about the album, but look how ridiculous their 2000 was that was a busy year yeah to say the least so leading up to the release of this album slash albums they had a very public argument with sharon osborne ozzy osborne's wife and one of the coordinators of Ozfest uh on the howard stern show and she basically said that you know, your next album is not going to sell well and you're going to get dropped from your label. And she bet Violet J $50,000 mm-hmm. that their next album wouldn't sell more than 200,000 copies, which is still pretty damn good. 200,000 is pretty good. Oh, yeah. But Violent J actually upped the bet 
saying we'll sell 500,000. That's a gold album release. And considering their last two major releases went platinum and even forgotten freshness went gold, seems like a pretty safe bet. Well, both albums sold 200,000 units each for a total of 400,000. So Violent J won the bet, but it didn't hit that number he expected it to. Right. Um, and after the release of Bizarre Bizarre, ICP's contract with Island did expire and they decided to go independent, stating they didn't want to stay with Island to release the sixth Joker's card. I don't know what the truth of that story is, whether Island said, you know, it's time for you to move on. I would think if I was Island, I'd say, look, you're still selling us a shitload of stuff. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I, I do kind of believe that they decided they wanted to go independent again, although Island treated them pretty well. Uh, here's something crazy. These two albums received three out of five stars from Rolling Stone album mm-hmm. review, which is the highest score they've ever given to an ICP album. Is that to date or still? I think prior and to date. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. And and honestly, don't know why. I I also, I'm baffled <laughs> by it. Uh, they released uh, two videos, one, one for a single from each album, Tilt the World and Let's Go All the Way, both of which were... I mean, if you watch the videos, big productions, way better quality than any of their previous stuff. Um, Let's go all the way is kind of a spectacle. And they encourage their fans to bombard the TRL studios, MTV, you know, Total Request Live in New York, and to call in demanding to play their videos. They picked a day and sent everybody there. Hundreds of people showed up with signs, including numerous psychopathic employees. Um, But apparently MTV, Viacom, dispersed security out into the crowd to get rid of them and when the crowd refused to move uh reports are that they were assaulted by security Hmm. so that's 2000 that's bizarre that's a bizarre 2000 that's for sure yeah 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 um so eric let's go and get into it we've been teasing it it for a while what well let's talk our overall thoughts about bizarre what do you got Man, I got to say, I agree with Mike Clark. I am not sure about this material. Uh, you know, thinking back in real time, it was this was three years since Malenko with only one major release in between. And I think the progression seemed a little less drastic. But in this format where we're listening every week, this change is so abrupt. It's like listening to a different artist to well, me. It seems almost overnight. Yeah. In, in, uh, in this context, yeah. I'll say this. I think the album covers are kind of cool, but that's about where it ends. You know, I think even at the time, I remember listening to these albums knowing they were pretty weak and there was, uh, you know, a significant change in style from Jekyll Brothers even. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I feel it's weird when I listen to this album. I feel like so many of these tracks don't even have proper verses or flows, just a bunch of one-liners through the song, just spoken. It's very strange. It's like this; these two albums re- read like a collection of B-sides and outtakes, and I cannot believe it's like, is there anything they left off because they just threw everything on? I think, and I did listen ahead, just skipped through to hear it. If you took the best tracks from both, I could probably make a decent EP out of it. Probably. Also, these albums come in at like an hour and 10 minutes each. But if you take all of the garbage at the end, because the last tracks of each are 20 some minutes long, each one runs about 50 minutes. So, right. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I just, I I don't know, man. What do you think? So I love the album cover. 
Um, yeah. I think it's great, but golly, Mike Clark was a smart man to get away from this one. This yeah. is, I mean, you're right. There's songs that halfway through the, the album, I thought, man, I really want to hear the, the stuff that they left off <laughs> that, right. that they thought wasn't as good as this, this stuff right here. Right. They're like, now that's not good enough to make it on the album. I just, it's, it's bizarre. Honestly, to it me. is. Um, it is. It seemed very directionless. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of songs. You're right that they just speak things, speak one-liners because mm-hmm. they seemed a little too lazy to actually like flesh out material. I, know, I like Something a lot of the beats are cool on some of the tracks. Like Mike Clark did a good job with a lot of the production, but then when you listen to what they did with it, I'm like, yeah, you squandered this beat because it could have been a really cool track. I think. I and, and that's the thing, dude. Some of the tracks have some awesome beats. Yeah, a lot of it some is of them not as much garbage guitar. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, I, 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 this one was bad for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know what? Let's let's dive into it. Let's let's talk about the intro, which I'll just mention real quick is not on Spotify. You have to go to YouTube because of copyright issues, but. Talk to me about your thoughts here. All right. The intro, I got to say, great production. But I think it's only a great production because it was ripped from somewhere else. (laughs) It kind of was. But I mean, it was the same type of introduction that we see from full-length ICP albums. It was no surprise to me. Yeah, obviously it's not a Joker's card. They didn't do the whole like spoken intro track, then the sort of intro intro track, then a first song. This is just combined into one thing. Yeah, it it is. And it's so so you can't call it the classic Joker's card structure, but it is the classic. uh, There's a Joker's card structure. Then there's the overall ICP structure, which is put in an intro track. Yeah, set up the album. Set it up. Yeah be a storyteller for a couple minutes yeah i i'll tell you what i really dig this intro i think that it's much stronger than the jekyll brothers intro i love that they used the theme music from escape from new york i think that's dope it's definitely the reason it's not on spotify i i kind of like the story and setup i think the new style delivery works it's solid i'm assuming that's legs diamond doing it it's a strong setup for an album uh, interesting social uh, suggestions there too. I, I don't know. I thought it was a cool intro. I think it was worlds better than Jekyll Brothers, mm-hmm. um, and and I and so I enjoyed it. And and I actually got high hopes for this yeah. album after hearing this intro. So yeah. Let, let's go ahead and move on to Take Me Away, uh, Eric. What were your thoughts on Take Me Away? You know, I think this had a cool hip hop baseline and beat. I I specifically called out the musical genre there because I don't think a lot of these tracks fall into that sort of stylistic category, but mm-hmm. decent flows, decent chorus, not a super strong, you know, track, but you know, but not bad either, you know. Uh I think this feels like them it feels like a hip hop track. Uh, there's some clever lines. Uh, he says, uh, I speak for the people you say don't know how to act. We like them just like that. And I thought that was kind of clever, but to, uh, I, I, I guess I'll say this to quote Jordan Pundit from newfound glory. 
after this track, it's all downhill from here, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so this track had a super good beat. I like the line, only we rap about fucking a beehive. Which um, does happen later in the album. It's Yeah, so the first time I listened to it, I was like, I don't think I ever heard them rap about that, but that's funny. Uh, yeah. And then we will get a couple tracks later, and you think, oh, shit, that was alluding to this album. Yeah. Um, yep. so I, and so that made me like the line even even better. Now, yep. I will say I am visually, physically, utterly just repulsed by this chorus. Yeah, I live I for think the it carnival, is so pray for the carnival. Yeah. Corny. It's pretty corny. It is but, so half-assed, yeah. in my opinion. That's why I said that it's not a super strong track, but uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but at the same time, listening to this one back after listening to the rest of the album, you think, yeah, it's pretty good. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, I did that. Exactly, dude. Me, you and me both. You and me both. I'm not saying I hate this song. I'm saying the chorus is the corniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, we get <laughs> Fago reference number one. But other than the chorus, I mean, the verses are pretty good. I I noticed in this right. song, this song and other places on this album, they have begun to target a, a new sort of, I don't want to say, it's not a relatable social issue, but... They are they're going after the sort of uh, boastful like tendencies of popular rappers and hip hop artists at the time talking about money and cars and women and stuff. And they're going, that's not what we're about. We're not about that. And they're almost really embracing not being that and being sort of like scrubby losers, which is weird because in the past they've acknowledged it, but not went, yeah, that's us. We're we're losers. We suck. And I'm like, oh, this is a weird turn of events. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. Um, I did like the fact that they're criticizing, you know, all the indulgences of every other popular rapper in that day. Yeah, I did um, like that. I do like they, they do have the line. I speak for the crazy. I speak for the scrubs. I speak for the thugs pissing in your hot tubs. <laughs> um, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, uh, because you're right. I mean, at some point, you know, they grew up obviously listening to hip hop and being fans of rap yeah. and hip hop. Yeah. But at some point, what kids in their teens, early teens that are growing up poor, you know, in Detroit, you can't relate. Like they can't relate to buying a Mercedes Benz and that's just, they fantasize about it. Right. I think it's interesting that in this song, which is one of the few songs on this album that I think actually has something to say, uh, they do sort of call out like, Hey, look, if you're not into what we're talking about, go. I think the line is bump that other shit and hear about the ends they've got, like hear about how great their life is. Right. But if you want to, if you want to hear about something different or something relatable, listen to us. And then they pr proceed to make an album full of garbage songs. Yeah. And then all of a sudden songs like rainbows and stuff happen. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Speaking about the next song, let's go to fearless. Yes. Uh, what did you think of fearless? So fearless, it, the, the first verse starts out great. Then you sort of realize what the premise of the song is, the whole premise is, and you think, damn, this is actually pretty uh, pretty funny. Uh, it's just basically saying, you know, I'm fearless. I do all these insane things. 
I'm here. I mow the fucking lawn on a landmine field. Like what? Boom. Yeah. I roll an M80 up in some papers and smoke that shit up. Like saying like, oh, I'm not scared. I'm fearless because I would do this. It's just kind of like yeah. a fun, silly song. I think yeah. it works as a solid, silly song, if I'm being honest. And, and the yeah. fucking the beehives line actually came up in this song. So that's oh, yeah. what yeah. the, the song previous to this alluded to. Um, yeah. It was pretty enjoyable for me, if I'm being completely honest. I think that this track functions more as a comedy act as a as a humorous song than it does a real song to me i listen to it i'm like there's no song here it's just a bunch of one-liners strung together mm-hmm. some of them more clever or funny than others some of them just dumb i think the chorus is pretty cool i do think mike clark did his job here uh built a really cool track i like the the music mm-hmm. um some of the lines are stupid. I, I'm just I'm disappointed from two guys that I know have some serious skill uh, that they're squandering it by instead of, you know, giving me some cool verses and flows that include clever stuff. They're just trading off one liners. But I like when Shaggy says, I'll hire Michael Jackson's plastic surgeon and tell him, hey, do me up. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's like, I don't know. You're right. We know these guys skill. And so yeah. this song feels lazy, but at the same time, if you judge it as a comedy song, which I kind of viewed it as, yeah, it's pretty, it's a damn good comedy song. Yeah. I mean, again, I like the music. It's not one I would skip if it came on. Uh, I like the chorus. Yeah. I mean, for, for that reason, I, it's pretty stupid, but as a comedy track, it does the trick. I agree. I agree. Um, so let's get into the next one, which is Rainbows and Stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. This is another comedy song, but I actually think this is one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, it is. It's awful rock m- music. The, the premise doesn't work. The chorus is stupid. The verses are stupid. It's kind of like one liners again. Shaggy's rants part rant parts are kind of cringy to hear and not very good but i do like when he is at a loss for words and he goes oh i'll, I'll pinch your nipples shut and i was like okay that's that did make me smile even now I, I like the the one line when he says that he likes shaggy and his mom and shaggy in a very genuine way says thank you jay i like you too and like <laughs> it's kind of out of tune and it feels really genuine but aside from that this song is it doesn't work for me, man. It does not work. What did you think? Man, you you picked out the only two redeemable parts yeah. of this song. Good God. You're right. I think this song is the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, so oh. it starts off, and I thought, oh, this is very funny beginning. This can't be the whole fucking song. Like, this is comical, like, little whimsical beginning. Uh, then as soon as the hook came in, I was like, oh God, nope, nope, nope. This is, this is terrible. This sucks. And you're right. The premise doesn't really work. It's just so shit out. It seems like, like they didn't even want to do this. Yeah. There's something about it. That's like just lazier than fuck. Like it's, it's just Jay delivering a bunch of one-liners about things he likes and then the chorus is something tells me 
that I should kill you. And it's just yelling and gross rock guitars. It's so bad, man. The chorus, bad. the chorus is what sinks it for me. I could definitely look past him saying stupid things that he likes as verses. If they would have just tied it together better with a better hook. Yeah, I mean, I like Jay's delivery for what it is. He does a nice job with it. But overall, the song just, man, there was one on Jekyll Brothers like this, too, that I'm like, the punchline doesn't match the setup. And I think if they had reworked this song, man, it could have it could have made some sense. It just didn't come together. I I don't even get the skit at the end. It's like answering machine messages and somebody going and then going moon ploy. I don't know what that means. It never comes up any other time that I know of. That particular part was annotated by Mushy Mustard here. So Moon Glorious is what they say. Moon Glorious oh. is Violent J's alter ego, who is a recurring character on Shaggy Two Dope's series of vlogs called The Shaggy Show. He often spoke very slowly and repeated his own name. So you have to be a fan of the Shaggy Show vlogs to get this okay. last part. Now, I did know the whole Moon Glorious thing. I just didn't realize mm. that's what he said there. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that's what it's saying, he said. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next track. This one's called What with a U. Uh, take it away, friend. Uh, what is correct? <laughs> um, so this song featured Twisted. The beat was kind of cool. I, I, I kind of enjoyed the beat. Mike Clark kind of did a good job with that. Lots of Michael Jackson references on this album. It seems like there's a second one here. I'll slap Michael Jackson's face off. Yeah, Um, there's uh, there's definitely he must have been in the news a lot at that point. And uh, and so this song, it's cheesy as fuck. Yeah, it's it's very cheesy. I feel like it was they wanted to write a juggalo anthem so bad but it just didn't come together like and i hate all their juggalo anthems quote unquote anthems that we <laughs> you know what i mean you don't um, hate them all yeah i don't know i hate the majority of them this one just definitely did not ever come together the call to arms hook that they yeah. have i be what i want to be what i act how i want to act what i see what i want to see what i smack who i want to smack what so forever I'm a juggalo. Yeah, and then ending it with forever I'm a juggalo. What? Dude, it's not I know what you're trying to do, ICP. Do it yeah. better, please. <laughs> <laughs> we here's why we know you can do it better. Because we literally just listened to like 13 albums where you did it better. But absolutely. Uh, I, I I another song. This is another song to me that's just a bunch of one-liners strung together. These are hardly verses. Um, oh yeah, I, I agree. I actually think Mike Clark kind of killed this beat. I think this is a dope beat, and uh, the chorus doesn't bother me that much. Uh, I don't think it's a great song, but especially from the point where Violent J says, "Mike, get the guitar." From there on, the song is just <laughs> garbage to me. Yeah, like <laughs> I just I can't with it. Oh, it's it's bad. It's yeah. Bad. All right. So the next song is one that I'm really interested to hear what you think. Uh, I know on Jekyll Brothers, you were not a fan of I Stab People. How did you feel about track six, Still Stabbing? Hey, still not a fan. <laughs> um, 
I said, I even wrote, I almost have zero thoughts on this dumb song. Because <laughs> it literally did not even warrant me being critical of it. I think yeah. the only line that I smiled at was the Def Leppard line. Okay, um, that's pretty. There was some funny lines in this one. I love stabbing people. Def Leppard, remember them while I cut their fucking drummer's arm off. You can ask him. <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, this song is just I don't know, man. It's I know I say I don't know, man, a lot when when I don't want to just completely eviscerate them because I don't want to make people feel bad for liking the songs. But this just doesn't do it for me. Now, first off, something we need to clarify is that we are stating our opinions on songs and we are using uh, historical data that we've gathered by listening to pretty much every release they've put out to comparatively say how do we feel about this versus not only what they've done but the greater spectrum of music do we like it do we think it's good do we not it's totally okay for somebody else to like a song that we don't like with that said you don't like this song i actually don't hate this song it's a Hmm. it's a sequel to i stab people from jekyll brothers which i also didn't hate but that was sort of like a minute and a half like one verse one chorus this is the same thing, but longer. I think this one's a little more clever and a little more funny. Yeah, this one's it's a fine song. This one comes in at four minutes, three seconds. Yeah, I um, think it's better than the previous three songs on this album. Uh, one thing to point out, apparently Slipknot did not like that they were mentioned in this song. And uh, at some point, Violent J and Shaggy had tried to, you know, get Slipknot to do it. Let's do a tour together. We feel like both of our bands and our fans share a lot in common. We respect what you do. And Slipknot was like, we're not into it. No. Damn. That so, would have been that would have been a solid tour though. At that point, it would have been big. But I wonder what it would have done for both bands' reputation, how it would have changed how people looked at ICP and how it would have changed how people looked at Slipknot. Slipknot would have been yeah, a really yeah. odd one. I mean, yeah. let me tell you, the guy this is tracking back all the way to episode one of this podcast. The guy that uh, bullied me in elementary school that wore ICP shirts. Yeah. When he wasn't wearing ICP, he was wearing Slipknot, my man. I, I definitely think there was crossover there for sure. Dude, he his three favorite bands were ICP, Slipknot, and 3-6 Mafia. Do not fuck with this kid. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I bet I he also liked System of a Down, though. Oh, yeah. He loved System of a Down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that those are my thoughts on Still Stabbing. I think it's fine. Uh, it's a it's a track that outside the context of this album on another album, I would have been like, yeah, okay. I'm trying to find something redeemable about Still Stabbing. I think if it was the same amount of time as I Stab People, mm-hmm. I would have been fine with it. But it's a long song. But it's a long yeah. song. And so I yeah. think that's why I'm hitting it a little harder than I hit I Stab People. Um, well, so let's move on yeah. to uh, the next track called Tilt a Whirl. Eric, what mm-hmm. were your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what, man. When I was a kid at the really small amusement park in our hometown, I came from a relatively small town. Uh, the amusement park was called Waldemere. One of the rides, one of the like legit rides they had was Tilt a Whirl. Now, this is like a traveling carnival ride, but they had several traveling carnival rides just bolted to the ground. So I have um, fond and also terrifying memories of getting, you know, pretty much sick on the Tilt-A-Whirl. But back to the actual song itself, this was the single from this album. 
they released a video. Uh, I, I, they had a radio edit of it and everything. Uh, I actually like this beat. I think the lyrics and flows are pretty tight. It feels like an ICP song. Uh, the chorus is bad rock. I don't know if I get that. But overall, I think this song is okay. Uh, <laughs> those are my thoughts. What are yours? So I like the premise of, okay, the first verse, um, they lure in uh, Redneck, basically, mm-hmm. to the Tilt of work World, kill him. Second verse, they lure in some rich guy, kill yep. him. You know, And then finally, third verse was they lure in somebody that was uh, a child abuser. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the premise of this song. Yeah, I think it was it was great. Um, it feels distinctly ICP. Definitely feels distinctly ICP. The execution was so cobbled together, though. Mm. I feel like this song could have been such an amazing song, but they just half-assed it. I don't know if I 100% agree. I think the song all fits together. I don't love the bad rock chorus. However, even like the drum tuning in the verses feel like a you know a live drum kit and it all sort of meshes i don't know if that makes me like the song but i get what they were doing there and i do think i might have liked it better if they had taken these lyrics and this premise and put it with a more traditional hip-hop track but it's not what they were doing at that point so i don't know yeah i think we kind of need to just sit back at this point and accept the rock parts that they're obviously oh no I will not accept it. I'll accept that's what they were doing, but I'm not going to like it. Oh, no, definitely not like, but accept that that's what we should expect now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah. I don't want you to get me wrong. I I enjoyed this song for what it was, especially on this album. Um, it's very easy to enjoy this song on this album. Yeah. I'm just being critical because deep down, I want them to ditch the fucking guitars. Yeah, I do. Actually... When I when I think about it, and I'm try I tried after listening to this album and Jekyll Brothers for that matter to go, why did songs like Chicken Hunting not bother me? And they have prominently featured guitars. And I realized that it is those tracks are hip hop production and execution with guitar samples as part of the beat that feel organically hip hop versus let's do these sort of rocky like ringing out guitar strumming choruses and stuff and there's a big difference between using guitars in a hip-hop track and it feeling distinctly hip-hop and doing hip-hop production on a rock song or adding rock and roll or metal parts into a hip-hop song it's there's there's two very different feels there let's move on though uh what did you think of we gives no fuck man i was not for the music I thought the flow was great. Yeah, pretty good. I thought violent. This was Violent J showing showing his flow, um, yep. which I think is a stupid thing to do on an album that you have no flow in because it just points yeah. out the fact that you don't have any flow in the rest of the songs. Um, yeah, but I think this was a definitely a tour de force for for Violent J and his flows. I mean, overall. As far as it, it very much felt like a rap rock song, but the rap parts, the the hip hop flows and stuff across the board felt good in this track. And that's why I, I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I think if they were to just mess with the music a little bit more, kept the flows. I mean, I like the flows were insane. 
Yeah, man, put those flows on a a, a better track, and and you're good to go. You have a great song. I think it's interesting that this is another song that clearly has something to say, mm-hmm. uh, but what they're saying is it's a it's it's sarcasm. It's the opposite. And upon first listen back in the day, I. I think I took it more at face value. They're talking about, you know, million dollar houses and I'm greedy and all this stuff. And it's about all the money and stuff. But this is tracking back to Take Me Away, the the first song song, where they are dissing these rappers that are all about uh, their money and their cars and their guns and their girls and all this stuff. And this is a track speaking from those perspectives, but at the same time, sort of showing the the negativity in that uh like i agree that some of the flows are cool this is definitely a bad rap rock song from beginning to end it's not even just rock choruses the whole thing has a sort of rap rock production um i hate the chorus i hate it but those signature icp gang vocals are there and they sound tight so those are my thoughts on that song solid thoughts i think we both agree on that one uh let's go ahead and move on to the next song please don't hate me eric what were your thoughts uh you know some of the rhymes here are pretty funny this song is about uh violent j is is talking to somebody saying i've been fucking your mom loose lately it's all about having sex with somebody's mom i think the beat is kind of fun overall the song kind of sucks i hate shaggy's hater puns they're so lame but you find out at the end after doing this whole song about fucking your mom at the end he's like all right I'll see you at school, whatever. Peace, Eminem. And I'm like, (laughs) that takes so much more away from a song that I already didn't think was great. Um, But I want to point out something that my friend Steve mentioned right away when we first listened to this album. He was like, dude, Eminem hates his mom. That's a super lame diss. Like, he was in a lawsuit with his mother and she was suing him for defamation of character. And he had, you know, like all this fuck you stuff toward his mom. And I was like, dude, you're right. Why would they make a song like this a diss toward Eminem? That's lame. Yeah, it seemed very cobbled together. Uh, like, let's make this fun song. And then, oh, shit, like towards the end, let's make this an Eminem diss track. Add this one yeah. line. Yeah, you like they I mean? threw that at the end, like after as an afterthought. Oh, yeah, definitely. Outside of that, though, I found this song pretty enjoyable. I thought it was a very funny, fun song. Pointed out that there is this is not a rock rap or a rap rock song, and I love that. Honestly, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was funny. If you look past the Eminem stuff, because you're right, it is a lame diss track. I thought it was all right. I mean, there's definitely stuff that's okay. Uh, I don't love this song just because, I don't know, I... I, I like the serious, scary aspects of ICP with some of the funny stuff that like makes you go, oh, why why are they being funny about that? This one is just a goof track. It's totally a comedy track. And that's okay because this album has a lot of that on it. It's definitely not the worst song on this album, though. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely not. not the worst. Definitely just a stupid, silly track. But if you're yeah. going to have an album that's almost full of those, you might as well fucking get them all out of the way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In one yeah. release, you know what I mean? Um, all right, so let's get to a song that's not funny really at all. Um, the next song is called Behind the Paint. What did you think about this one? I thought this was pretty good. 
I thought this mm-hmm. was really good. Um, the beat was was real chill. I liked the, the very last Violent J verse, and we can track back, but this is just the one that I that I kind of wanted to write down. Another girl I don't dare confide. Played that role. It hurts inside. Here I am thinking she wants me. She only wants the killer on her CD. Just when I couldn't feel any worse, bitch asked me if I could paint my face first. I was like, damn. And then the, it, it, it ends the day I finally get up to leave this land behind the paint will be the shell of a used up man. Uh, I feel like it's just the struggles of them not knowing if they are liked for being them or if they are liked, you know, being used as the juggalo clowns. But it, it's also kind of a song uh that just kind of shows you like hey the the scrubs won uh and that's the end of the first verse it's um and that's fine while you're working on your charm look beneath the paint bitch it's the scrubs who won um just saying like people that didn't that made fun of them are now standing in line to get their autographs i think this is one of the few tracks on the album that really has some genuine heart which we know they can do and I really believe every word they say on this track. It's a very honest and very sad song. And I think there's something about the juxtaposition of this against all of these goofy, funny tracks that came before it that that feels really genuine. There's that's that's how real life is. You know, there's there's a lot of, you know, I'm being funny and I'm laughing to hide the pain. And this this song and this album up to this point screams that to me. I I think it's one of the better tracks on this album. I think they placed it in the right place, but I do want to say, why the fuck did they put that baby crying skit at the end of the song? Because it really hurts this track. I agree. I thought that that was a very stupid decision. But looking past that, it's it's a pretty good song. It has a lot of heart. And, and I yeah love that. It, it does um, i i fully agree so let's move on to the next song which uh i think also has just as much heart <laughs> um eric what are your thoughts on my homie baby mama you know how we've talked about the uh almost literal whiplash you can get listening to an icp <laughs> album oh this is this whiplash with the best of them baby <laughs> whiplash you you go from that song that like I don't care who you are. If you know anything about them, even if you don't, behind the paint is going to it's going to hit you. You're going to connect, you're going to go, "Fuck, wow." And then all of a sudden, they transition with that bad skit into this dumber than fuck song. Oh. Now, some of it's kind of funny. The twisted cameos are kind of funny. Um, but it's literally about wanting to fuck their homies, baby's mama. And there's there's one part that it's early on that I really like. And she, and he says, I don't know why. Cause she ain't even looking that good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, it, again, no rap rock really here. It's right. just a, a hip hop track. And I like that about it. Um, that Vampiro feature skit at the end makes no sense where it's placed on here. It's very weird, but yeah. Anyway, uh, what, what did you think about this one? So very fun beat, very fun flow. It's that whiplash of, you go from this serious heartfelt song to the stupidest thing that you've ever heard. Um, (laughs) But super funny lines here. One that I pointed out is I got coupons, bitch dollar 50 off at Chuck E. Cheese. Got you a Similax formula. Just baby. Fuck me, please. (laughs) 
It's like it's like it's, I got all this shit for your kid. Can you fuck me? It's clever and it's kind of funny, but it, it's also sort of like it's a little bit cringy. And I think though it's not cringy in the sense where you're like, oh, they didn't realize how cringy this was. They knew exactly that's what this was, and they leaned into it. And I'm not gonna say I like this song, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it fucking worked because it does. Oh yeah, uh, and you you want to know why it worked? Because it didn't have a cobbled together, uh, yeah, we were talking about Eminem the whole time at the yeah. end of it. <laughs> but uh, I, I I like that he ba- basically just like convinced her like, oh, I'm, I'm like, I'll be here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Like, I love you and shit like that. But then like when his friend catches him, he's like, I can't believe this shit. You gonna fuck him in my bed? And she's like, he said he loved me. And basically, the last part is just saying like I'm attracted to the the drama of fucking my homie's baby mama. Yeah, much. I'm I'm um, attracted to the heli drama. Like it, it, this is absolutely a track that on a better album, um, placed appropriately, you'd go, yeah, okay, that's a funny song. It would be like you know on Ringmaster where they put love song and bugs on my nugs, and you're like, these songs are dumb, but they're clever and they're funny and they're well put together. And this yes. is one of those songs. I agree. I agree. Just like love, right. song, love song and Bugs on My Nugs. Uh, perfect yeah. comparison. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to the last song, uh, the last mm. track on this album, which is over 20 minutes long. But I want to focus just on the first uh, five-ish minutes. I want to focus on the song right the now. The actual song. Pendulums. Yeah, The Pendulum's Promise, which we know The Pendulum is also the name of the comic series that's running. Um, and it's a theme for them. But what were your thoughts on the pendulum's promise? My first thought was twenty one, twenty five. You're fucking kidding me. Uh, <laughs> but then I quickly realized as we get in that you're right. It's the first like five ish minutes or a song. Mm-hmm. Then you get a long gap of nothing. Yeah. Uh, until you get to other stupid shit. Um, yeah. But I thought the the flow was all right. I mean, the beat was was okay on it. It wasn't a terrible song. I think if it would have just been this song and not this song plus a bunch of bullshit, I would have liked it better. Maybe mm. paid attention to it better. Um, but uh, they, I mean, there's some good line lines in here. Not funny, but like decent lines. Like I chose to yeah. play God and judged you well. Now I'm the one who's been sentenced to hell. Just kind of good stuff like that. Um, that long sort of outro swing left swing right swing left swing right uh mm-hmm. which is also the hook they could have cut that down in half um but that's not the only i'm not even worried with the rest of the bullshit that is tied into this track i'm not even worried about that getting cut off you know what yeah I mean? no honestly man because it was the last song on the album i'm okay with a little bit longer outro i think it makes sense I think a lot of last album, last song on the albums, you know, not just them, anybody, that's kind of a thing. But if that's where the album ended, it would have been okay. I actually think this song is pretty dope. I like the beat. The verses are good content wise. I like the messages. Uh, It's all about karmic return. It's about people pointing fingers and, you know, judging others only to have it turn back and go, no, you're the one that's the problem, or you're the one that should be being judged or is being judged. And I, I think that's 
actually worked pretty well. It's a, again, one of the three or four songs that I think have some, some meaning and something to say. Mm-hmm. Court is cool. I like that swing left, swing right thing. But now is the point where we get to the literally 15 minutes and 55 seconds of secret track bullshit at the end. So incredibly stupid. Um, yeah, I wrote down what we had here. So uh, the first thing up after a few minutes is some Your Mama jokes and then a really bad like in the studio right here song uh, that none of it was particularly funny or good. No, it, it was definitely like I can get and I'm all for bringing things like messing around in the studio, bringing that in as like an outro kind of fun thing if it's yeah. fun. Um, but if it's stupid and just aimless, leave it yeah. on the cutting room floor. And then after that, we had some kind of answering machine message thing. Uh, it was whatever. And then after that, after a few minutes, we had um, a, a really short shaggy track that was actually pretty good. I, I sort of wish they had built that out into a full song because it was up there with some of the better stuff on this album. Yeah, I thought I thought that part was enjoyable. Man, I really wish they had that annotated on genius.com or that they had it typed out. I mean, it just ends where the proper song ends. That that track, I don't know if it has a name or what it is. Um Shaggy's skills on the mic really show through there. Like Oh yeah. It's pretty good, man. His his verse, like the chorus is weird as hell, but that verse that leads into it, I'm like Damn, he's got flows there. And then the album ends with one more last Your Mama joke. And it's Vanilla Ice just Mm. saying something about your nasty mama sucks camel cock for crack or something. I don't remember what it is, but it was not funny. And then Violent J goes, there you go. Bizarre. And I was like, oh, God, why did we do all that at the end? Sigh of relief as soon as he says, well, that's bizarre. You think, all right, done with this, but should have been done with this 15 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Anyway, I think that detracts so much from the album in general. Why they put all that stuff at the end, I don't know. And the fact that you have just minutes of silence. When I first listened to this, I I had to like, I I, I looked at my phone after like 30 seconds. I was like, wait a minute, I I haven't heard anything in a while. Like, did, yep. I, did I press pause on accident or something like that? Secret tracks no. are definitely a relic of the cassette tape and CD era. Oh, it, it's yeah. totally different in that format. Listening digital, it just doesn't work. Um, but I'm like, take that Shaggy track, take the Right Here song, um, build them out a little and put them on a Forgotten Freshness. Don't put them here. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. All right. Um, well, so that's the album. So that is the album. Now let's talk. And I've been dreading this part. Personal favorite tracks. I think we have a clear cut winner for the best track on this album. Yeah. I think we just need to find a second place. So uh, can I can I pick the intro? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. That way can't. we can't. That way we, we only put out one. So let's. So I think I, we both know what what the the first. Let's say pick it. Is let's say it. Uh, three, two, one. We'll say it. All right. Yeah. Three, two, one. Behind the behind the pain. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So that. Uh, For me, no. (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, number two for me would be the pendulum's promise if all that shit wasn't at the end. Oh, absolutely. But we, stop, but we can't pick it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. The other two that come to the surface for me are maybe Take Me Away or Tilt a Whirl. But there's a couple other tracks that are decent. It might go. What are your thoughts? So I thought about picking a fun song. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of was was attracted to my homie Baby Mama or possibly Fearless. But I feel like Fearless just isn't cobbled together enough. To uh, my homie Baby on. Mama would be the one. So do this. Put Behind the Paint and then my homie Baby Mama. That way that skit at the end of Behind the Paint has some context and it flows into the other song. That's right. So there's our two picks. Okay. There is our two picks. And they are going, going gone what are we looking at here we are looking at 28 songs two hours and 19 minutes hell yeah um and it's only getting longer baby yeah perfect perfect uh so let's talk fago scores then let's let's so first off we got music and beats eric what were you thinking um now we have a really interesting thing going on because when we score these albums, we don't go, what is our overall feeling about the album? Give it a number. We break it down and we give each individual piece a number. I think three is higher than I would score this album, but the music and beats and the production on so much of it, I was going, I like the beat, but I don't like the song. I have to give it a three because I think Mike Clark did, did the work here on most of the songs. What about you? Yeah, so I'm in the exact same boat. I think the music and beats are definitely, they definitely warrant a three, even though I don't think the album as a whole warrants a three. Because yeah. almost every single song that I didn't like, there were redeeming qualities with the music. Yeah, agree. Uh, okay, so let's move on to lyrics and flows. What? How did you feel about that? What did you, how'd you score it? So lyrics and flows, um, Man, honestly, I gave this one a two. There were some great flows, some great flows, but just there are so many songs that were just lines cobbled together uh, that I just yeah. I have to be a little a little picky on it. You know what I mean? Um, like we said, the the and those are a lot of those songs where the music slash beats pick the song up a little bit. You know what I yep. mean? Because the yep. lyrics and flows are just trash. But there's a couple. The reason I gave it a two rather than a one is because there is one or two songs where the lyrics and flows were great and the music was terrible. Uh, what were your thoughts? So if this was a six song EP with just the songs I liked best, I'd probably give it a four for flows and lyrics. But considering it's 12 songs plus a bunch of extra bullshit, much of it that I didn't think was great lyrically or flow wise. I gave it a two and it's deserved. Yeah. It's deserved as a two. Let's be honest. Um, so that's lyrics and flows skits and interludes. Eric, what did you, what did you think about this one? Uh, skits and interludes outside of the intro, which I thought was a really strong, intro but i'm not going to count that necessarily as a skit or interlude i thought this was one of their weakest offerings for skits and interludes the ones that were there felt disconnected at times or just weren't clever or funny Mm -hmm. the ones that were integrated into the song like the stuff that that twisted did in homie's baby's mama with jamie madrox talking about you know you're gonna try and fuck my girl and all this stuff um 
I thought those were good, but overall, I went with a two on this one. How about you? So I had two scores written down. One, if mm-hmm. we were going to include the intro, um, one, if we were not going to include the intro. Um, so nah. I think it's only fair to not include the intro. I, I yep. agree with you on that. I just wanted to be prepared just in case because I did enjoy the intro. Other yep. than the intro, everything else was almost garbage. I mean, there were one or two that were okay, but I like prided them in their ability to write skits and interludes so mm-hmm. much to the point that we even added this as a scoring, like as, as a, yeah. a category in scoring because it was so important. Yeah. And then ever since if I feel like ever since we added this, they have shit the bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, these are just not on par with what we've heard before. Uh, and for that reason, and they're so not on par for that reason, I'm going to give it a one and a half. A one and a half. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's talk about vibe at time of release. Think back to all the albums that we talked about that released and some of what was going on uh, and the context of the, the, the 2000 sort of era. What did, What score did you give this? So as far as vibe at time of release goes, I, I gave it a two and a half. I thought it was perfectly middle of the road. Um, Taking into account what ICP is moving to and what the world seems to be moving to. Um, Because, I mean, they were competing with some bangers here, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that Lil Wayne lights out is amazing. Mm. Eminem obviously put out the Marshall Mathers LP. We've talked about it multiple times this episode. Yep amazing um and so i yeah i think solid middle of the road definitely better than who let the dogs out but is it better than (laughs) country grammar i don't think so yeah man i uh i gave it a three because i felt like yeah they were on trend enough but they weren't necessarily you know innovators at that time they didn't they they neither stuck to their guns nor went all in on a completely different feel. They're sort of somewhere in between, but they were, you know, mixing genres. And I, I think that's what was going on at the time. So uh, let's talk about our overall score here. That brings us out with a 2.375 or 2.4, which puts this release surprisingly at a 2.5. Uh, I fully expected a 2, but this is a 2.5 Fago album. Congratulations to Bizarre for the two and a half Fagos. Enjoy it. It's more than you deserve. I was was also thinking the two range. Yeah, I thought so too. But when we look at all of our scores and you average them out, uh, I think that's a more fair way to score it. It's maybe the album's not. It's better than what we feel it is, I guess. Right. I think so. that our scoring system is not bad. I, I think we need to stick to our guns with the scoring system. We found a good yeah. scoring system here. It works. So, um, it works. Now let's move on to something that hopefully gets more than two and a half Fagos, and that is an actual Fago review. Oof. Um so today we're both reviewing Fago Rock and Rye. Uh so I'm gonna pop up real fast to grab mine and I'll be right back. Word. Takes me 
All right. Um, so in my hands, I'm holding a Fago 24 ounce rock and rye, caffeine free. Mm. Looks a lot like a, a genuine cola bottle, red with the dark cola inside. Eric, what are your thoughts on just the, the appearance of this? I'm confused about the appearance of it because there are no indicators um, in print or in images that give us a clue as to what the flavor of this product is. I don't know what rye tastes like outside of the concept that like it's, you know, there's rye whiskey and stuff. Uh, I, I, know I have no idea what rock and rye. there's, it does look like a cola bottle. You're right. You look at it. It's got that sort of red label. It's, red with some dark and blue and it's reminiscent of coca-cola or pepsi maybe and then the drink is a sort of brown cola but it also has a reddish tint to it i was gonna say you hold this up to some light and you got a red tint to it for sure yeah um yeah i I don't know what rye tastes like no i'm i'm in the same boat as you i think uh i mean shit i i I think we should just pop this bad boy open and and give it a whiff let's open them up Oh, what oh, is that smell? Vanilla cherry? root beer, cherry root beer. It it's got a cherry smell, maybe a little bit of vanilla. It's got something reminiscent, almost of uh, Red Pop had. Uh, okay, I'm gonna taste it. Yeah, I don't know what oh, that that's, is. I think that's cherry. You know what? You know what that smells like now that I tasted it. What? Um, this is. If you mix a cherry and a Coke Slurpee together. You know what it tastes like to me? If you mixed that cream soda and red pop together. Yeah, that too. Because you definitely get that cream kind of in there. Man, I'm so confused. I don't know. I am what this I'm going to be honest. In my brain, I thought this is their answer to Dr. Pepper, but it's not even similar to Dr. Pepper. Mm-mm, not even close. I don't understand that flavor. Okay, I'm looking it up because I'm just I, I I'm so I can't. It's a light vanilla cream soda with a hint of semi-tart cherry flavor. Oh, so it's yeah. I I think we hit it pretty dead on with cream soda and cherry. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's okay. I like the regular cream soda a lot better than this. I definitely agree with you. I think the regular cream soda is way better than this. Um, but I also don't hate this like no. I do the cotton. Uh, this one I can drink more of than I could the cotton candy one. I was literally just going to say that. You could actually sit down and drink this with a, a meal or if it was a hot day, you could drink some of this and it would be fine. I could definitely sit down. Now, I don't I don't think anything about hot day. I think this would be disgusting on a hot day. Um, you think? But I think like, man, November... You order yourself a nice steamy hot pizza. You have an ice cold rock and rye. Oh, dude. I feel like I feel now like you're this, talking. That's what I'm saying, dude. I, I feel like this uh, flavor is more of a heavy flavor rather yeah. than a light flavor for summer. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. I get that. Um, and the more I drink of it, I've taken a few sips and I, I'm starting to come around to it. I think it's, it's not bad. Acquired, I think if we knew what it tasted like going into it, if we, or if we had any clue, we would have taken a liking to it faster, but our brains had to figure out that we liked it. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, I just saw a hand come in the doorway, reaching out and Christie's outside. She was, 
she was overhearing us. And so I put it in her hand and she sipped it and then stuck her face in and just made like a very confused, like, <laughs> I don't know, but then kind of like nodded, like, like, oh, that's interesting. Tell, tell her that she's, we're in the same boat. She was yeah. right there with us. Yeah, absolutely. She it was, was definitely, that's the right answer. That's something else, man. Okay, I, let's score it though. Let, so score it. It subverts expectations because you don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So you expect everything. It doesn't it doesn't have a distinct smell of what flavor it is like no. so many of the other. You open up the cotton candy and maybe it's just cuz our our minds know what the flavor is. Yeah. Right, but you open up the cotton candy, you smell it, it's cotton candy. You open up the cream soda, you smell it, it's cream soda. Grape, orange, everything yeah. you've done. Um red pop was disgusting. But this one you smell it and you think I think it smells like this. I think it smells yeah. like that. You're not too sure. I want to give like a uh, one of those professional taste testers that like can taste things. I want to give him one of these. Um, I want to give it to like a one time I saw a, a sommelier that does like wine pairings and oh, says, yeah. "Oh, what's the right thing with this meal?" They gave him a bunch of sodas and said, "Which ones are the right ones?" And he actually paired sodas with different foods and meals. I want to give him this and go, "What is this the perfect pair for?" That would be so interesting. Holy yeah. crap. Maybe I'll train as a sommelier, uh, become world-renowned, and then do it myself. That would be amazing. <laughs> At this stage in life, yes, it would. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I like it. I think this is a solid like three and a half Fagos. It definitely tastes a lot more artificial mm-hmm. than other fl- Fagos have. You know, um, Remembering the grape soda didn't taste like artificial grape. It tasted pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, and same with the orange soda. Yeah. This one, I can't say so much since it has a fruit in it, cherry, apparently. Um, it does not taste like natural cherry at all. It definitely tastes like the artificial thing. But it tastes pretty good. And like I said, I could see myself sitting down with a steamy hot pizza, ice cold bottle of this, watching a Christmas movie in November. Oh, you know what I mean? There you go. Um, <clears throat> You know, my first two sips, I probably was more in the two and a half or three range. And then as I drank it and as my brain started to process it a little more mm-hmm. and, and I was able to appreciate it, I went to like three and a half, four range. Uh, I might, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four because the base flavor and smell is their vanilla cream soda, which I think is one of their best flavors that we've had so far. Really just good. The cherry is interesting uh, I one time, this was many years ago, had a limited edition flavor called Cherry's Jubilee that was fucking fantastic. Well, uh, and I wish I could. Absolutely amazing. Oh my God, it was so good. I wish I could have that again. And I think that this, it's not quite the same like cherry candy flavor that that had, but it's it's interesting. It's kind of refreshing, but it's also kind of a a full flavored, you're right, it would be the, the scenario you set up is the right place for this. So yeah, I'll go with a four. Awesome. That brings our yeah. total. That brings, let, we'll round it up to a four. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think that, that sounds works. about right. Okay. Well, Hey, Fago rock and Rye, Congrats on the four rating. He it's, almost had much lower, but, but you, yes. you convinced us. You convinced us. You really, you really fought there at the end. So that brings us and honestly, Fago itself is starting to be pretty uh, well-renowned for us, it seems like. Yeah, because we, we've only had one bad review. 
Correct. Yes. Only one bad review. And even that bad review. Well, I can't, I can't say that even that bad, that bad review was pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. I I actually think we were probably nicer to red pop at the time than what it deserved, but red pop, I still have the one last can of red pop in my fridge because I can't bring myself to even fuck with it. Nope. Toss mine. It's gone. Mine's long gone. I threw that shit away. (laughs) Um, so let's, let's go and set up next week's episode. Um, so next week we'll be reviewing the other half of the 2000s Bizarre Bizarre, Bizarre with two Zs. Oh, why don't you tell us, uh, let's do all that closing stuff. Where, where can people find you? So people can find me and all of my stuff at www.locklearcomedy.com. I also stream on Twitch five days a week. Uh, so that's twitch.tv slash gristle media um fun times have been had over there that new game fall guys eric don't know if you've played it yet but it is fantastic i haven't i just downloaded it if you ever want to play together let me know word um but so that's where you can find me eric where where can we find you uh you can find me on twitter at nuclear is lonely pretty simple so so lonely Mm -hmm. so so lonely um you can find the podcast on twitter at I-C-U-P-W-W-E. So until next week, I am Aaron. For my co-host, Eric, big old whoop whoop out there to everybody. And thank you again for listening. been a gristle media production oh you did it i did it mama